Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the first episode of Basil Daily. I'm your host, Sam Basil, here to give you a bite-sized chunk of what you need to know today in the world of New York sports. To kick off this podcast, let's talk about the New York Knicks. While their record so far this year depicts the Knicks as barely staying afloat, their improvement on the court and cohesion as a team simply cannot be understated. After nearly a decade of misery at Madison Square Garden, the Knicks are finally a team worth watching. And while a championship run this year is clearly unrealistic, having a team that looks like they enjoy being out on the floor together every single game is enough to have the Knicks fan base on board. Alan Hahn put it perfectly on Twitter yesterday when he showed Markeith Morris's reaction to how this current Knicks team scrambles to help their teammate up and that it's just, quote, different around here now. The Knicks aren't just focused on having fun either. There are some serious hoopers on this team. Julius Randle has already established himself this season by earning his first career All-Star bid. Randle has been a walking bucket this year, averaging 23 points per game, including six games so far in which he's scored at least 30 points. I think that this most recent performance against the Lakers on Monday, in which Randle scored 34, is really emblematic of what these Knicks can do this season, and how they can make some serious noise in the early rounds of the playoffs. Despite the Lakers playing without LeBron and AD, this win is exactly what the Knicks needed after a string of tough losses to the Nets, Celtics, and Sixers. Even in these close losses, the Knicks played some tough basketball. And while this win streak is nothing to freak out about, it's doing a great job at riding the ship and keeping this team's energy moving in a positive direction. Speaking of hoopers, it'd be a massive disservice to not talk about what RJ Barrett has been able to do this season. Despite not a huge jump in numbers, Barrett has improved in nearly every statistical category from last season, and his presence on the team is a clear improvement from anyone watching both at the games and on TV. Most importantly, Coach Thibodeau's comments about Barrett's development into a leader on this team are very encouraging. Looking ahead for this team, Barrett's biggest test of his career so far could come tonight against Zion Williamson and the Pelicans the first game in which these former Duke teammates are facing off in the league. Aside from the obvious effect that this game has on the standings, a solid performance from Barrett can continue to justify his high draft pick. As Barrett works on getting those shooting percentages up, continuing his current trend of aggressive, solid finishing has really allowed him to catch up to the expectations set for him and Williamson in the summer of 2019. Overall, the way the Knicks are playing right now, Any finish in the postseason is a finish well above preseason expectations. Right now, the next step for this team's development is to follow the same model of the Brooklyn Nets in 2019, which is to prove that they have the proper foundation for some big-time free agents to come in and take them to that next step. Given, the Nets had a much better free agent class to work with in 2019 than the Knicks do in 2021, but there are still plenty of names that should be on their radar. Zooming out into the NBA as a whole, let's talk about what Mark Cuban said recently regarding the NBA play-in tournament. Mark Cuban has always been one of the more vocal executives of the NBA, and while I don't always agree with everything he says, I can get behind this sentiment towards the play-in tournament. In a message to ESPN, Cuban felt that the play-in tournament is, quote, an enormous mistake. Last year's play-in tournament made sense, as not every team entering the bubble played the same amount of regular season games because of the pandemic, and it added an extra level of intensity in the bubble. However, in a 72-game season, I really can't see why the 7th and 8th seeds should have their spots in jeopardy after finishing the regular season. 
in 2012, a lockout-shortened season saw teams scrambling to the playoffs after getting only 66 games to prove themselves. And while you can make an argument that a few teams were snubbed, it produced one of the most exciting seasons of the decade. If a team misses the 8th seed within 5 games this year, I could understand the argument that they go down as a what-if story. But I'd take that any day over a team that fought for the 8th seed and lost it in one superfluous game. Even if it means getting swept in the first round, everyone plays 72 games to get where they end up. And the league disrupting those positions with an extra, gimmicky tournament feels like a disservice to all those teams involved. Finally for today, let's get into the New York scoreboard, starting with the Yankees at Blue Jays at 1 o'clock. Corey Kluber is going to be getting his third start of the season, and his second against the Jays. Looking towards the long term, the biggest question surrounding Kluber will be maintaining a solid season without re-injuring that forearm. After the Yanks, we won't see any more New York action until 7, where the Mets finish out their series against the Phillies. David Peterson will take the mound for the Amazons and try to whittle down that absurd 13.5 ERA he racked up in his first start against Philly last week. Also at 7, we'll see the Nets travel to Philly to take on the 76ers as both teams jostle for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. And finally at 8, we'll see the Knicks take on the Pelicans in that aforementioned matchup between RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. That's all for today. Thanks for checking out the first episode of Basil Daily, the newest podcast from House Enterprise, with logo design by Molly Berdowski. Once again, I'm your host, Sam Basil, and I'll see you tomorrow.